We want to thank you for uh, just such an amazing, precious, uh, pure time of worship today. And Father, we thank you, Lord, and trust that you have moved in our hearts, that your spirit has moved deep within our hearts, uh, Lord, to prepare our hearts for your word. Uh, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and uh, for your mercy, for your love. And Lord, I pray this morning that we would, Lord, be attentive to your word, not only hearers, but also doers of your word. For those of us that are saved, that have a saving relationship with you, that we would be encouraged, even convicted. And Father, those that do not have that saving relationship with you, that they would surrender their lives to you this morning and start a life in you, in you. Father, I decrease that you would increase. I empty myself of myself, so fill me with yourself. Everything that I say and do, every thought that enters my mind would be of you and not of me. For we praise in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have your Bibles, the Bible app, turn to Philemon chapter 1. It's only one chapter. Uh, we're going to go ahead and finish today's, uh, this chapter, uh, verses 18 through 25 is today's text. Again, Philemon 1, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Uh, we're going to wrap up this series um, called Forgiveness, say forgiveness, from this short, personal, but powerful, powerful letter. Now, before we even dive into the text as always, I want to do a quick review from last week's text, verses 8 through 17. Uh, three points, you might remember this. It was Paul's plea for Onesimus. And the first point of last week's text was forgive Onesimus, Philemon. He's talking to Philemon. Forgive Onesimus for your own sake. And that's in verses 8 through 15. And Paul uh, could have used his apostolic authority to command Philemon to do what he ought to do, but he didn't. Instead, Paul appealed to Philemon on the basis of love. Say love. Come on. Love. The basis of Christian love, uh, the love of Christ. And then Paul's like, Philemon, before I tell you what I need from you, Philemon, remember that I'm an old man. Not just an old man, but I'm also in prison at that. In verse 10, and there we see Onesimus' Onesimus conversion, and Paul says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. So he's saying, hey, Philemon, no, your, your runaway slave who stole from you is now a believer. And Paul's saying, I led him to Christ. He is now a brother in Christ. And then what Paul does, Paul does a little play on words on the meaning of Onesimus' name. And remember, in the Greek, in the Greek, Onesimus means useful. Say useful. And apparently Onesimus wasn't very, a very good slave. He, he was useless. He was unprofitable to Philemon. But he had become profitable and he had become useful to Paul and by extension also to Philemon. And now Onesimus truly lives up to the meaning of his name because now he's saved. Amen? And Paul's like, hey, Philemon, you, you know, you, you're, not, you're not getting the same guy back that you lost. Onesimus is different. He was good for nothing. He was. <laughs> he was good for nothing, but now he's good for something. He's a changed man. He's been transformed. He's been redeemed. God changed him. He's now useful, and I've seen his usefulness, and you will see it too, Philemon. Then in verse 12, Paul says, I'm sending him, Onesimus, who is my very heart, back to you, Philemon. I'm sending him back to you, and Paul's sending him Back, why, why? Back to Philemon to make things right, to make restitution. Because as a Christian, Onesimus now lives by a different set of standards, different uh, value system. Therefore, he needs to make things right with Philemon. Verse 13, Paul says, I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm 
in chains for the gospel. So this indicates that Onesimus served in place of Philemon in ministering to Paul in jail. Verse 14 there, Paul wants Philemon to be able to make his own mind up concerning what to do with Onesimus. And Paul, he lets Philemon make the choice. I love that about Paul. He lets him make the choice. He gave Philemon the freedom, say freedom, the freedom to make the decision without manipulation. Verse 15, uh, there, there's where we see God's providence, say God's providence. And Paul says, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good. I love that. You might have him back for good. So Paul is getting, is getting Philemon to see the big picture here. And Paul clearly saw the hand of God, I love this, the hand of God operating in the lives of both men, Philemon and Onesimus. And you see Philemon, the master, lost a slave, but Philemon, the Christian, gained a brother forever. Amen? A temporary separation led to an eternal relationship. And I love that. And Paul wants Philemon to see how God used this circumstance to transform Onesimus. The second point of last week's text was forgive Onesimus for his sake. And that's in verse 16. And Paul proclaimed that Onesimus should no longer be considered a slave, but a brother in the faith, a brother in Christ. He, he was no longer to be looked down upon and despised, but accepted as a member of the family of God. And so Paul is sending Onesimus back to Philemon not only to make restitution, not only to make it right, but also to be a witness to those around him that the master, get this now, the master and the servant unite around the table of Jesus, amen, and recognize that they stand together at the foot of the cross, saved by the same Savior, redeemed by the same blood, and secured by the same justification. Good place to say amen. Amen. Third point was forgive Philemon, forgive Onesimus for my sake, Paul says, my sake. Verse 17, so if you consider me a partner, say partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. Now remember the term partner here suggests more than just a friend or just a companion. It suggests the partnership or fellowship of those who have common interests, common work. It's a spiritual fellowship. We call this koinonia. Say that. Koinonia, right? Koinonia. It's the, the partnership of mutual Christian faith and mutual Christian life. And Paul asked Philemon to receive Onesimus as he would receive Paul himself and welcome him as a brother in Christ. Welcome him as an equal. An equal. Welcome as you would welcome me. Paul saying, Philemon, if I'm your partner, so too is Onesimus. And Paul's simply saying this, you get me, you get him too. Got it? This now brings us to today's text. The title of my message is The Pledge. Say the pledge. Part one was the praise. Part two was the plea. Part three, as we conclude, this is the pledge. And today's text is the assurance and pledge from Paul. And you see, his final thoughts, uh, his final thoughts and words are designed, Paul's final thoughts and words are designed to prompt Philemon, this is now, to consider totally, say totally, and completely, say completely, forgiving Onesimus. Got it? Four points, if you're ready, say yes. Number one is this, the guarantee. Write that down, say that. The guarantee, the guarantee. Now, now write that down. The question is, what about Onesimus? Okay, what about Onesimus? Uh, you know, what about what he stole, right, from Philemon before he left Colossae? What about that? Who's going to pay that debt? Well, Paul even has an answer for that. Look at verse 18. If he has done you any wrong, which he has, right? Or owes you anything, which he does, Paul says what? Charge it to me. 
you get that? If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, Paul says, charge it to me. So Paul promises to pay Philemon any debt owed by Onesimus. Now, we don't know exactly how much Onesimus had stolen from Philemon. Uh, who knows? Nonetheless, he had stolen from Philemon. And Paul's telling Philemon, whatever Onesimus has stolen from you, charge that debt to me. I will guarantee payment. Now listen, Paul didn't owe the debt. He didn't, right? He didn't, but was willing, say willing, to pay off the debt. And so what comes to mind as I was studying, what comes to mind is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Yeah? In Luke, write it down, Luke chapter 10, verses 34 to 35, where it says, He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in point on oil and wine, that he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an, an, an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. He says, look after him, he said, and when I return, I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you, have, you may have. Got it? But what also comes to mind, and more importantly, is who? Jesus Christ, Right? Jesus paid the debt that was not his own. I mean, Gil mentioned this morning, right, during communion, okay? He, he took all the debt of our sin and given us all the credit of his righteousness. Good place to say amen. And this is what we call, listen, church, Christians, this is what we call the doctrine of imputation. Imputation. To impute means to put it on account, Put it on account. Listen, when Jesus died on the cross, my sins and your sins were put on his account. Got it? And he was treated the way we should have been treated. And when we, listen now, when we receive him as Savior of our lives, his righteousness, say his righteousness, was put on our account. Imputation, right? And now God, because of that, now God accepts us in Jesus Christ. We no longer owe a debt because Jesus paid it fully on the cross, right? Now, if you're saved, say amen. As believers, we need to remind ourselves of the huge, of the enormous debt which we had contracted as sinners and how it was all charged to the account of Jesus Christ on the cross. You see, Paul, Paul, Christ-like in his actions, had completely unlocked the truth of the gospel to Philemon when he said, charge it to my account. Listen, we, we can't miss seeing the gospel in this letter. You got to see, it's right there. The gospel's right there. It's there because Paul never wrote anything without the gospel. And Paul knows the doctrine of imputation. He knows the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ very, very well. I mean, gosh, he preached it for years. And this is the gospel in human terms. Listen, friends, all of us, say all of us, were God's Onesimus. You guys with me? We were all God's Onesimus. We were slaves to sin, chained, listen, listen now, chained to evil, continually running away from God. But Jesus, say, but Jesus went to the cross, paid the price for our sins so that God's justice was satisfied once and for all. And the book of Philemon, what we've been going through for the last three weeks, friends, is a beautiful picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us. He paid the debt for us that we owed that we could not pay. Amen? Look at verse 19a. Stay with me now. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will what? Pay it back. You get that? I will pay it back. Paul placed himself under a legal contract 
by, by writing with his own hand. And this is what we, this is his legal IOU written document. Okay, he, he, he legally makes himself responsible for the debt. And he's like, Philemon, I will make good the debt Onesimus owes you. Okay, I'm personally writing to, to you this letter uh, with my own hand for the purpose of getting you to take Onesimus back and not just take Onesimus back, but forgive him and restore him and receive him as a brother. Amen? Got it? So that's the guarantee. Say the guarantee. Number two is a gentle reminder. Say that. Write that down. The gentle reminder. Write that down. The gentle reminder. Verse 19b, the second part of verse 19. And Paul says, not to mention that you owe me your very self. <laughs> Paul's, like, Paul's like, I'm not going to mention the fact, which I just mentioned anyways, right? That you owe me your very self. And this is a clear indication that Paul led Philemon to Christ. You guys with me? Paul works that in this very well, and he reminds Philemon of the spiritual debt Philemon owes to him. Through Paul, Philemon had come to Jesus. He owed his spiritual life to Paul as far as a human instrument was concerned. God used Paul to reach Philemon. Philemon got saved. Amen? And Paul's like, Philemon, here, here's your chance to repay me. Okay? Hey, God used me as an instrument to lead you to himself, to Christ. Now is your chance to repay me. You owe me your very self, so welcome Onesimus. And whatever he owes you, here we go, charge it to my what? Account. So you ready for the lesson? Here we go. Here we go. Be an instrument of the gospel. Yeah? Be an instrument of the gospel. Every single day, if you're safe, say amen. Every single day is an opportunity to become an instrument of the gospel. Every day is an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to someone, listen now, to someone, share it the gospel to someone through word, in other words, in other words, what his word says about him and through deed, how we now live because of him. Not just word, but deed, amen? They need to hear Jesus on our lips and see Jesus, listen now, in and through our lives. Verse 20. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. I love this. Refresh my heart in who? Come on, in who? In Christ. Got it? Do you guys remember what Paul said about Philemon back in verse 7? In our first part of this series? He says, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Remember that? Huh? Philemon was known for what? Refreshing the saints. Now he has a chance to refresh Paul. And Paul says, Philemon, you have refreshed and blessed many others. Okay, you're really good at that, by the way, Philemon, at refreshing the lives of others. Now I'm asking that you refresh and bless me this time. That's what Paul's saying. You refresh hearts. Onesimus is my heart, what Paul said, right? Refresh my heart by what? Forgiving him. Got it? Lesson, ready for the lesson? In Christ, in Christ, we are refreshed. Amen? In Christ, we are refreshed. Very simple but profound here, friends. Are you guys with me? Look at the text again. Refresh my heart in Christ. Real refreshment and real lasting benefit is in who? Christ. Jesus Christ. 
There's no real lasting refreshment. There's no real lasting benefit outside of Christ. Now, if you're saved, say amen. Now, I want you to get this, okay? In Christ, we are refreshed. In Christ, we are refreshed. And through Christ in us, we refresh others. I'm going to say it again, okay? In Christ, we are refreshed. Say that. In Christ, we are refreshed. And through Christ, say through Christ, in us, say in us, we refresh others. Got it? So it's in Christ that we're refreshed, right? And through Christ in us that we refresh others. Amen? Verse 21, verse 21, because here Philemon now had the opportunity to personally refresh Paul's heart by what? By granting his request. Verse 21. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Now, Paul, uh, though Paul's phrase uh, is a request, he also refers to Philemon's expected response as obedience. Obedience. Hey, Philemon, I'm confident. I'm confident that you're going to do the right thing, that you're going to do even better, even more then I ask that you're going to surpass what I'm asking of you. Why? Because you know Christ. Because you experience the forgiveness of Christ. That's why I know. And Paul is confident that Philemon will accept his request to not only forgive Onesimus, but also to free him. Say, say the guarantee. Say the gentle reminder. Number three is, and be creative here, the guest room. Okay? Say that. The guest room, write that down. And we're going to look at verse 22. And one more, and, and he says, and one thing more, we would say one more thing, right? But in one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, Paul says. Why? Because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Paul said, I'm coming. I'm coming. Once I get out of prison, I'm coming. And I'm coming, Philemon, to check up, check up on how well you welcome Onesimus. <laughs> right? And here we see that Paul is expecting to be released. But how? How? Through prayer. <laughs> you guys get that? Paul recognized, and I love this, Philemon's prayers for his freedom. And I believe that I believe many of the Christians at the Church of Colossae were praying for Paul's release during this time. And I love the fact that Philemon and the other Christians, listen now, were faithful, say faithful, in prayer. So you ready for the lesson? Here we go. Prayer. Say it. Prayer. We need to pray for each other. With each other and for each other. Why? Because there is power in prayer. Prayer is our, high, is our highest privilege. It is. We get to talk to God. Amen? And there's power in prayer when we gather together. When two or more in the midst of him, he is with us. Amen? And by the way, if you, if you love to pray, we should all love to pray, right? 8.15 to 9 o'clock every Sunday morning. The prayer team gathers together and prays. Amen? They pray for the service. They pray for the families. They pray for everything that's involved in the ministry here at Cry Out. Wednesday nights, Brother Anthony just started a prayer from 6.30 to 7. And all just, it's all men. It's just all men, all right? And man, I'll tell you, I went Wednesday. It was powerful. It was so pure and so awesome. So men, you're welcome from Wednesday, from, every Wednesday from 6.30 to 7 in the 4th and 5th grade room to go there and just pray and seek God because it starts with us men. 
Amen? There's power. Say, there's power in prayer. Got it? Point number four, here we go, is the greetings. Say that. The greetings. And finally, what Paul does, he sends along greetings from some of those that were with him. Let's look at verses 23 and 24. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, sends you what? Greetings. I want to stop the Epaphras. Some of you guys might know who he is. Epaphras, like Paul, was jailed for his faith. And he was, a he was very well known in Colossae. In fact, he had founded the church there in Colossae. He was a pastor. But now he's a fellow prisoner with Paul in Rome. And he sends his greetings. And then he says in verse 24, And, and, and so do Mark, uh, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. So Mark was the author, the author of the Gospel of Mark. And Aristarchus was one of Paul's disciples who had traveled with him in the past and was a fellow prisoner with Paul as well in Rome. And then there's Demas, who unfortunately, if you, you know, you know about him, unfortunately, abandoned Paul having loved this present world. And then there's Luke, uh, who is the author, we know this, of the book of what? The book of Acts in the Gospel of Luke. And he, he's, he, he worked as a missionary with Paul and was with him in Rome during his imprisonment. All these guys send their greetings to Philemon as well. Then we have these closing words, which is characteristic of Paul's letters uh, that he writes to individuals. Verse 25, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your what? Spirit. That's Paul's final words. He writes that down. He puts down his pen. Philemon, I just want to remind you. This is what he's going to say. I just want to remind you that in order to do this, to do what? In order to forgive and take Onesimus back, you're going to have to have the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Get it? You can't do it on your own. You need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may he grant you the grace, the strength, amen, so that you can forgive and take Onesimus back. And Paul is asking what is not possible in the flesh because the flesh wants vengeance, right? right? But what is possible by grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's saying, working with your spirit, Paul. Because you can't do it on your own. Because the flesh wants vengeance. Revenge, right? Now, that's the end of the book. But that's not the end of the story. Okay? I mean, how, how did this end? Uh, did, did, did Philemon forgive Onesimus? Well, according to church tradition, according to Eusebius, the church historian, and the early church leaders or fathers, not only does Philemon forgive Onesimus and take him back, but Onesimus becomes a pastor in a church in Ephesus. Did you get that? Now, according to Eusebius, Onesimus, the church historian, Jewish church historian, Onesimus will die a martyr's death in service to Jesus. And so will Philemon. Two takeaways. You guys ready for this? I want to spend some time here. Two takeaways. The first one is, there on your outline, is forgive. Say it. As we, as we went through this short but powerful chapter, 25 verses, 
The first takeaway is forgive. We need to forgive like Philemon, right? Philemon was in a position where he needed to what? Forgive. And you see, forgiveness is a non-negotiable, non-negotiable thing for the Christian. It's non-negotiable for the body of Christ. And failure to forgive will have some damaging effects on us. So I want you to follow me here. You guys ready? Here we go. Failure to forgive, here we go, will imprison us in our past. Got it? Failure to forgive will imprison us in our past. Unforgiveness, listen now, church, unforgiveness keeps the hurt. Unforgiveness keeps the hurt and the pain alive in our hearts. It keeps the sore open, and it never allows the wound to heal. Follow me now. Failure to forgive breeds bitterness. You guys with me? The longer that you and I dwell on the offenses committed against us, the more bitter, bitter that you and I become. And you see, bitterness is not just sin. It is sin. It's not just sin. It's an infection. And it spreads. Prove it. I will. Hebrews 12.15. Write it down. Hebrews 12.15. And there it warns us about the root of bitterness that grows up to cause trouble and defile many. A bitter, listen now, a bitter person's speech is cutting, it's, it's sarcastic, even slanderous. Bitterness distorts a person's whole outlook on life. And what it does, it promotes violent emotions and also thoughts of revenge. Failure to forgive also gives Satan an open door. Write that down. It gives Satan an open door. And what Paul does, Paul warns believers in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 27. He says, be angry and yet do not sin, because there's a righteous anger, amen? Be angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger, the wrong anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. Do you guys get that? Satan, listen now, Satan gains a toehold, a foothold, and then a stronghold through our bitterness. You guys with me? Failure to forgive, here we go, hinders our fellowship with God. It does. It hinders our fellowship with God. Jesus warns us in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 through 15, Sermon on the Mount, he says, If you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. You guys get that? Those are pretty bold words, aren't they? You see, refusing to forgive someone else is sin. And sin blocks, sin hinders our ability to enjoy clean relationship with God. Now, if you're safe, say amen. I want you to follow me here, okay? Now, stay with me now. At the moment of salvation, get this, Christians, at the moment of salvation, we were judicially, judicially, and positionally forgiven. Got it? Say judicially. Say position, positionally. See, forgiven. We, in other words, we are justified by God, fully righteous before God because of Jesus Christ. In other words, our sins are forgiven past, present, and future. That's on the judicial positional level. That's settled eternally, and that will never change. With me? You guys with me? That's our, what we call our union. Say union. Our sonship, say sonship, 
with God. But on the relational level, say relational level, if you and I refuse to forgive others, which is sin, that hinders our communion, our fellowship, our relationship with God. Now, the relationship doesn't end. We're still saved, amen? But something, say something, is lost in the intimacy. In other words, there's no joy, there's no peace. And that joy and that peace won't be restored until we forgive others, won't be restored until we deal with our sin. Amen? So we're called to forgive others. And if we don't, what it does, it hinders our fellowship with God. You guys with me? The second giveaway is this. It's right there. Is what? Ask for forgiveness. First giveaway, forgive, right? Second, what? Takeaway, takeaway, excuse me, takeaway is ask for forgiveness. We need to ask for forgiveness like Onesimus. Onesimus was in a position, say position, where he needed to ask for forgiveness. And that's why Paul was sending him back to Philemon. Why? To make it right. To make restitution, right? To personally take responsibility for the wrong that he has done. And friends, as believers, as Christians, we need to make things right. Right? <laughs> we need to take personal responsibility for the wrongs that we have done. In Matthew, write it down, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 through 24, Jesus said this, and I know some of you know this, but this ought to blow our minds. Jesus said, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there, listen to what he says, remember that someone has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar, right? First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Listen, God doesn't even honor our offering. He doesn't even honor our worship if we have unresolved issues with someone. If someone has been hurt, if someone has been offended by us intentionally or unintentionally, then we need to ask them to forgive us. Why is it so quiet? Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, say possible, as far as it depends on you, on me, live at peace with everyone. Did you get that? We have a responsibility, a personal responsibility to make things right with someone who we have hurt, who we have offended. Now, I want to say this. We are not responsible. Say, I'm not responsible. We are not responsible for the response of the other person when we ask them to forgive us. You guys with me? Because you can say, hey, you know what? I, I, I think I offended you, and if I offended you, I'm sorry. Because you know what? Get out of here. I don't want to talk to you. You hurt me. They may say, you know what? Hey, man, bro, thank you. I, I do forgive you. They may say, I don't know what you're talking about, bro. I, no, you didn't offend me. Regardless of what the response is, right? You guys got that? We're not responsible for that. Our responsibility is just say, if I've offended you, please forgive me. Yeah? Got it. We have a responsibility to make things right with someone, but we're not responsible for their response to us. So all that being said, Perhaps, just perhaps, some of us here are in a position like Philemon where we need to forgive. 
Perhaps some of us here are in a position like Onesimus where we need to ask for forgiveness. Here's the lesson to wrap this all up. You ready? Freedom comes through forgiveness. If we really, really want to be free, if we really, really want to be free, it comes through, say it, forgiveness. Get this, get this. The way to healing, the way to healing and the path to freedom is to exercise forgiveness. You guys with me? You want healing in your life? You want to walk a path of freedom? Exercise forgiveness. Now, if you're safe, say amen. We have been forgiven a great debt, haven't we? I mean, Jesus forgave us, right? So forgiveness is not an option for us. It's not an option. It's required. It's necessary, right? Because we're believers, but it's also necessary for our well-being. We need to forgive. Is it easy? No. No, it's not easy. Amen? And sometimes it takes time. But we need to forgive. I'm going to give you this scripture. We're going to end right now. Okay? Ephesians 4.32. Ephesians 4.32. Paul says, Be kind and compassionate to one another. Listen to what he says. Forgiving, say forgiving, each other, just as in Christ, God, say God, forgave you. I'm going to read it again. Here we go. Be kind and compassionate. To, we're talking about believers here. Kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God. Say God. Say it one more time. Say it loud. God forgave you. If you're safe, say amen. Okay, here we go. Here we go. With that saying, just as in Christ, God forgave you. It's saying if we, if we have, as believers, if we have truly experienced God's forgiveness, I'm going to end right here, then we will have a readiness to forgive others. So I'll stand.